Hey there, before we get started, I always forget to say this. Would you please go and take a moment and rate and review the podcast, wherever you listen to the podcast. It's super helpful, it helps people find the show, and it also gives me good feedback on how I can be making the show better, or how I can continue to be awesome. That was uncomfortable for me to say. Okay, thanks for doing that. All right, now we'll get started. Here we go. Welcome to Doing the Best We Can with Eddie Koffeltz. We We hope hope you enjoy the show. (laughs) Okay, thank you, Abe and Lucy, and thank you for being here on Doing the Best We Can with Eddie Koffeltz. I'm Eddie. It is really nice to meet you. New folks are finding the newsletter and the podcast each week. And so for those of you who are joining me for the first time, welcome. I am glad that we get to do this. This is a show uh, really about traversing life. I talk a bit about my life. I hope that in some way your own journey and story is reflected in this. And we're going to talk about things that are random and small and silly. And we're going to talk about stuff that's big and brave and scary. And we're going to talk about our failures and our successes and all of that stuff. And we're just going to be doing the very best we can. So that you know, the show is live. So you may hear some little uh, bumps and stuff along the road. I don't edit myself. I don't correct myself. We get what we get. I hope it uh, kind of pulls down the veil a little bit and makes it a little bit honest. Speaking of honesty, today is... Uh, definitely going to be another one of those <laughs> very, very honest, honest, honest conversations. So I hope you will uh, hear it. And I also hope that you will stick around for the free skate. We have a guest on for the free skate today. That's the second part of the show uh, that I'm looking forward to sharing a bit of our conversation with you. Actually, it'll be the whole conversation because it's live, right? It's just the whole thing. Anywho, uh, before we start, a couple of housekeeping things. First, this whole thing really is a newsletter, and my hope is that you are subscribed to the newsletter uh, because that's really the main thrust of doing the best we can. The podcast is sort of an addition to it, and so go to eddiecoffolds.com. The link is in the show notes, and make sure you're subscribed there for some fun little things. Second thing is that next week is Thanksgiving. I hope uh, if you are at least in the U.S., I hope you have an enjoyable day off. I know Thanksgiving can be a lot of things to different people, but I hope that for all of us, at least today of some kind of rest, maybe you watch the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade together. I'll be watching that. I'll be watching it at the same time, maybe. Oh, and the dog show afterwards. (laughs) It's like 11 hours of TV. Anyway, uh, so I will not be... uh, doing a newsletter or releasing a podcast that week. Just going to take some time off, let my brain rest, but I'll be back the week after. Okay, with that, uh, let's dive into the main thoughts for this week. Issue 12, Overeaters Anonymous quick note, this article talks a bit about food addiction and disordered eating, and so I don't want you to be caught off guard should that be a particular sensitivity for you. If it is, I will see you next week, actually the week after. Before we begin, you should know that this reflection is kind of a part two of last week's newsletter, so you can either go back and read it, or here's a recap. I was worried about my health. I went to see a counselor named Mandy for some body image help. I paid her quite a bit of money to watch me cry. I shared with her about my grandma and how I ate the hell out of her acceptance. (laughs) Mandy said that love equals food in my mind. I cried on the clock even more. She told me to look into Overeaters Anonymous and I basically blacked out after that. So now you're all caught up. 
When Mandy broached the topic of OA, she did so under the guise of, quote, just check it out to hear some stories. Mandy was a clever one, because of course, telling me, telling someone that they should attend any type of counseling, treatment, or anonymous group is a lot to hit them with. And unless the, unless the timing is impossibly perfect, the receiver of that information usually bucks under the same mechanisms of denial that brought them to needing the suggestion in the first place. So if Mandy had said, you need to go to OA, I would have said, thank you, I totally will. And then absolutely, I would never have gone. But because she gave me agency over my recovery and free will in my life, I chose to do what she wanted me to do in the first place. Note, Mandy's tactic also works really well with raising children or getting a cat to love you. So under my own steam, I searched the OA website and found a group that was meeting at a convenient time and location. I had never been to any kind of group like this and was exceedingly nervous, scared even. What if I had to introduce myself and share some of the hardest truths of my life that I'd never shared with anyone, except of course last week on a very public newsletter and podcast? What if I had to share those things and then what I revealed was so far beyond shameful that the group would just judge me? And honest to God, with a healthy dose of humiliation as I say this, what if, <laughs> what if someone knew me from podcasting? Oh, the ego. Sure, yeah, I'm sure that's going to happen. For the first time in my life, someone will know me in public, and it'll be in an OA group in the basement of some tiny church in West Orlando. Oh, by the way, that person will also know me and want to out me publicly for doing the exact same life-changing work they're doing. Totally likely scenario. But the fear was clouding my reasoning. I didn't want to go. Moreover, I didn't want to go and realize I belonged there. Because change, even good change, is ominous on the horizon. I showed up for my first meeting approximately four seconds before it started in order to avoid any pre-group small talk that may out me as one of them. I brought nothing with me to eschew the appearance that I was taking them seriously, and I dressed like a self-conscious middle schooler in a super baggy hoodie and a low-brim hat that dipped just below my eyebrows. I was there, but I was definitely trying to hide. Here's what you should know about any of the anonymous groups, OA, AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, NA, etc. People walk into those meetings scared and broken, like me, every week. And the regulars in the group are very used to the vibe of a person who is new, doesn't know the program, doesn't understand their own addiction, or is in full-blown denial. The meeting format is designed to care for the newcomer and quell those fears so they can simply be present in whatever state they're in. To that end, in my first meeting, I met with I was met with a few gla uh, glances and warm smiles, but my presence changed nothing and affected no one. I just hid my hoodie, watched, and said not one single word. I couldn't. The strength I had was only enough to get me out of my car and into the room. I didn't have enough in me that day to do anything else. So I watched, and the group was fine with that, and they went on with their sharing. I won't divulge what anyone said because that would destroy the sacred trust that makes these groups work. But I will share that the stories taken as a whole left me rattled. I'd never heard anyone be that honest, much less a room full of people. Additionally, every single one of them spoke with an almost ho-hum tone as they shared some deeply personal and painful memories. Yet what really short-circuited my brain was how the rest of the group would then respond to the sharing. 
When a person was done, a group would thank them in a very non-emotional, rehearsed way and move on. It was as unemotional and unaffected as a normal work meeting. I now know in the cycle of sharing, I now know that in the cycle of sharing, a memory, uh, uh, sorry, I now know that in the cycle of sharing a memory and receiving instant acceptance, it deflates the power of that story. And in that deflation, the mind is able to fill the newly freed space with love, hope, and healing. The OA members who weren't ho- the, ho- the OA members weren't ho hum about their experiences. They just weren't controlled by them anymore. And the whole recovery program is designed around that principle. Share your story to give it less real estate. Backfill the new space in your brain with helpful tools and sayings. That's what the 12 steps are. And then stand with others who are doing the same thing and release the addiction. It's heroically hard to actually do that, but that's the concept. I only went to OA for a few weeks in 2017. As I listened to people share, I could feel that my journey of disordered eating wasn't falling in line with theirs. It's not that we needed to have the same experiences to give us unity in that space, but something in me just knew that my journey with food wasn't lining up with the addiction definition of being, quote, cunning, baffling, and powerful. Food was and is certainly some of those things to me, but it wasn't the thing. The addiction wasn't tied to food. But what I learned in my time where there uh, was that the language of addiction was striking a deep chord in my soul. In fact, the particular group I visited used, used the blue book from Alcoholics Anonymous as their source material. They just changed alcoholic to overeater when reading aloud from it. Those weeks were a window not into a hidden subset of sad people who were needy and helpless, but a peek into the lives of some profoundly brave individuals who were overwhelming the monsters of addiction. Mandy, the counselor, had sent me to witness hope, which is what I needed more than anything. And I am endlessly grateful for those anonymous saints. Plus, one of the members texted me jars of clay lyrics for about a year after I attended just to quote, encourage me with this band that her grandson likes. That is the cutest thing ever. Well, we have come to our section in the show that I have begun to affectionately call the free skate. And given kind of what I've shared last week a bit about my journey and today specifically about what it was like for me that first time attending Overeaters Anonymous, I uh, am very honored to introduce you to Sarah Armstrong. Uh, Sarah is the managing director of Overeaters Anonymous Incorporated, so the main organizing body of OA, and she has very kindly agreed to join us today. Sarah, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Eddie. Yes, thank you. And you told me before the show that this is the first time you've been on a podcast? Yes, yes it is. Do you listen to podcasts? Not really, no. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Well, it's basic, it's just radio. It's radio, except we don't try as hard as radio people. So it's just a, it's just radio talk show. We'll do fine. (laughs) Thank you for, um, being here. Um, and just thank you so much for taking the time. I am like sh- very honored to talk to you. Um, I-, I wanted to ask you just kind of upfront, why does, why does OA exist? I know it's a broad question, but it's so popular. Why, why OA? Well, <laughs> if you look anywhere, um, you can see that 
food is an issue for a whole lot of people. And um, there are countless ways you can see in advertisements of how to deal with food issues. And Overeaters Anonymous offers a way of sort of a spiritual, physical, and emotional way of looking at the problem, trying to find out why we have problems with food, and then how we can work with these problems and come to some solutions to them that will be permanent for us. Yeah, that really is. That's interesting that you say it like that, because that really is, I mean, we're, you know, talking a week before Thanksgiving as we head into the holidays. And I mean, all of the holiday advertising, everything is about food on the table. And there's nothing inherently wrong with that, but certainly it presents a challenge, right? Because we can't, because we, we are we are faced with this uh, and the messaging, we're faced with this every single day. Do you find that people who are walking through, I mean, I know the stories are anonymous, but do you find in general that this, this season pres- presents unique challenges? It definitely does. I know that there are a number of groups who will spend, particularly Thanksgiving Day, they'll have an all-day sort of marathon going on so that people can get together um, virtually, is usually how it Mm. happens, or on the telephone, and just talk about it. And instead of sitting and eating, um, at least spend some time thinking about what exactly the holiday is about and how to, you know, sometimes there's a lot of pressure um, from relatives to, you know, have more, look, the, the table is so full, have some more, you can have some more today, and sort of get some ideas from your friends in the program as to how to cope with all of those situations. That is an incredible, an incredibly loving thing, right? That there's just a Zoom room that you can pop into at any time with your group or a, a way that the groups are supporting each other. Um, yes. Yeah, it's beautiful. So I was shocked. You certainly know this, but when I looked up like the Wikipedia article on anonymous groups, thinking, you know, there's OA, NA, AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, right? There is, uh, there are dozens and dozens of anonymous types groups, just very specific, right? Even to very specific things. Um, I'm curious about what the anonymity means and not means, but what the anonymity, um, does that makes this so so popular why are we anonymous i asked that terribly but do you know what i'm asking <laughs> my goodness i think part of it is that people don't want to it, it's hard enough to admit to yourself that you have a problem and you don't really want to share it with the rest of the world um now with some of the programs maybe your issue isn't quite as obvious. Um, Let's say gambling. So gambling may not be physically obvious, but it's still an issue, but you don't want everybody to know about it. And a lot of people in the program in Overeaters Anonymous actually may be um, physically normal. They may not appear to be overweight. Some of them have issues with under eating, but there are some that are normal weight, but they know that they're not eating normally. 
they know that they have a compulsion and they just happen to have a metabolism that can support it, at least for now. Um, so they don't, so, but you don't really want the whole world to share that you have this. You want to take the choice of who you want to tell rather than having everybody else, the whole world know about it. Gosh, that is such, that is a point I've never thought of because I, I carry weight, right? So it is right in front of me all the time of, you know, my, like my health or lack of health or where I'm at in terms of any kind of disordered eating. But I've never thought about the fact that it really is not, a, that there are the, the aesthetic piece of it, right? Like people can have this struggle, but you would never know because, because of things like, like metabolism. Um, and what a, what a service that they are able to be anonymous, but also confront that in a, in a safe and loving group. So this kind of leads to the question. I know that there are people that listen to this that are like, uh, should I go to away? <laughs> am I, am I a candidate for this? Uh, how do you respond to someone if they ask you if they should be in a way? Well, that's a tough question. Yeah. Basically, well, there's there are 15 questions that are available on our website, which yeah. is oa.org. Um, but I don't have that list of 15 questions sitting here in front of me. No, but, you don't need to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll link it, to that, it, just so you know, in the show notes. Well, th well, there's links available, so I'll send people up. I'll, I'll put that in the show notes. Okay, so if you yeah. look at those 15 questions, um, and if you can answer yes to even one of them, then you might want to stop and think, do I have a problem with food? So oh. how does someone, how does someone find a group? How do you find a group? Ah, yes, also on our website, um, yes. <laughs> we have a find a meeting section and yeah. you can put in there, um, you can look locally if you want a face-to-face -face meeting. Um, we have a number of virtual meetings, some happening via Zoom, some are telephone meetings. We even have some like WhatsApp meetings, that non-real-time meetings. There is a whole slew of them available. So it's like at any hour of the day, you can probably find a meeting and you can find it in all different languages. So you would put into the search whatever language you're looking for um, and attend meetings pretty much around the clock. So I shared a little bit. I shared a little bit in the article about my first experience, but it was very much from my perspective and what I was thinking. But generally, like, uh, I mean, it's a big step to go from even thinking like, maybe I'll check out a group or maybe I answered one or two of these questions, you know, like, yes, and maybe I should just go and see this to, to like working through the fear of actually showing up, right? You've searched for a place, you've shown up, you're there at the right time, or you're connecting to the Zoom call. Like, I, I don't know that it's the biggest barrier, but it's got to be a huge barrier for someone, or at least it was for me, um, to actually show up because I didn't know what would happen, right? Like, you know, I've, you've seen too many, I've seen too many movies where it's like, do I have to stand up front and just spill my soul? Do I have to like, how's it going to work? So can you give someone a general idea of what they can expect when they go to a meeting for the first time? just to kind of help demystify that a bit? Well, I can tell you if you go to a virtual meeting, um, it's particularly easy because you can keep your video off if you're not comfortable. You can be 
completely anonymous and you can sit there and just listen. Um, it's a little bit harder at a face-to-face -face meeting because you'll people will see you. Um, but basically, they're just going to ask for your name and all you have to give is the first name. And frankly, you can make up whatever name you want and nobody's <laughs> going to know. Yeah. So you can handle it however you want to handle it until you're comfortable with the meeting. And if you don't like that meeting, go to another meeting because you're bound to find a format that may suit you. Yeah, I think that's an important thing that I didn't realize is that every meeting is part of OA, right? Like you're their managing director of Overeaters Anonymous Incorporated. But then also each meeting sort of has its own kind of vibe, right? Is that how it works? Yes, that's definitely how it works. And so although I work at the international headquarters, we we don't know who our members are. You're an, as anonymous to us. Unless you reach out to us, we don't know who you are. And we don't know. I mean, we have this list of meetings. We don't know who's going to the meetings. We don't, we don't tell people. There's no script people have to follow. We have some maybe 10 different meeting formats that groups can use. Um, that gives guidelines for, you know, studying like a step study meeting. Um, and you go through a step a week or something like that, but there's, there's nothing that a meeting has to do. So if you don't, if you're not comfortable, you know, try again with somebody yeah. else. I mean, really the only guiding principles are generally like the, what are they called? The 12, um, what is it? There's a, we have yeah. 12 steps, 12 traditions, 12 and traditions, 12 yeah. concepts of OA service. Right. So those traditions are really, they're specific enough to keep all groups sort of inside of the same general, like, you know, they're all anonymous. We, you know, you know, we're, it's, it's all of these traditions, but it's also, it, it's a lot of freedom. So people can go to a group and then they might go to another group. And yes, it's definitely OA in both places, but they have just different personalities. Like if we've ever found a counselor, it's sort of like that. There's nothing wrong with one counselor, but maybe you just connect with somebody else um, in a different way. So, um, okay. When will people know when it's time to share? Because I totally, like I, I just shared that the first time I went to an OA meeting, I was silent. I don't, I'm not actually sure I even said my name, to be honest. Like I, I was like hiding inside of a hoodie and a low hat and was just <laughs> hiding and hiding for myself. Um, but eventually decided to talk. So how, how do people know when it's a good time to share? I think it's going to be whatever speaks to your heart. Sometimes, let's say if um, it's a meeting that's a literature meeting, so they're reading from a book, and the book's just passed around the table, and it comes to your turn, and you just read a couple paragraphs. That's not personal, so that's an easy way to open your mouth in a meeting and get started. Now, I some people... You can also pass the book. If you're not comfortable reading, you can just pass it on to the next person. Um, but that's an easy way to start. Um, or there are certain, like, if you're following a meeting format, there are certain things that they read from the format. Um, 
like the steps in the tradition. So you might be comfortable just reading what's written in front of you and just reciting it just to get your voice out there. So, Yeah, that's great. Um, And that's great. And then also sponsorship is a big part of the community. And I know that sponsorship isn't something that's like you sign up for a sponsor on your first day. Again, it's something that really is at your pace, if ever, right? And it's a step. But I also know that that really people that dive into any of these anonymous type programs end up with a sponsor. Can you explain a little bit about the the sponsorship relationship and actually what that is? So first, one of the sayings is to find somebody who has what you want. So if you get go to a meeting on a regular basis, so you get to know sort of the core people of that meeting, you may meet somebody and just how they talk and share their story just resonates with you. And it's like, wow, okay, I really understand what that person's saying. I have been there and, and look where this person seems to be now. I'd like to be there. Even in a in a virtual meeting, they'll those people who are available to sponsor will put in the chat, um, hey, here's here's how you reach me if you're looking for a sponsor or if you just want to talk to somebody in between meetings. Um, and that's how it starts. But you have to be ready to make that step and say, I, I do want to go a little bit further here. I've been sitting in this meeting for a while. I'm I'm ready. I, I think I have a handle on how this program works. I'm ready to take the next step and and work with somebody. And even if you don't, you start out with that person and things are going great and then you decide, okay, I've gone as far as I can go with this person. Maybe I'd like to try somebody else as a sponsor. And you can do that as well. And you can have more than one sponsor. So yeah, it's, it's one of the other things that just, it's, it's the, you, you work through this at your own pace, right? You share when you want to share, you find a sponsor when you want to sponsor. But I think the, the refrain that I, that I have heard in every meeting I've ever been is just, just keep showing up. Like you don't have to know all these answers. You don't have to have decisions made. You don't have to keep checking the box, like just show up and just you can go to as many meetings as you want i mean if it's helpful you can go every day i mean some people do like what 30 meetings in 30 days they just you just show up in the room uh, and i think that so much a part of that showing up in the room uh, is because generally every meeting i've been to is way happier and way uh, more hopeful than i would have imagined um first of all do you think that's a fair characterization i realize sometimes people are sharing difficult things but do you think it's fair that it's like a, a fairly upbeat group of people? Yes, it is. Because there's hope in the meetings. There's hope that for today, I will not eat compulsively. And maybe even tomorrow as well. And as long as you have hope, you're going to be in sort of an upbeat mood. That is yeah, there's not much else to say in that, right? Like you just show up in those rooms and you feel hope and you hear people share about their, their strength and their, their hope and what, what guides them. Um, well, Sarah, I think that's the place to end. Um, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much for sharing. Is there anything, uh, 
else that you want to share about OA that I should have asked that just I totally forgot about? <laughs> um, no, I really can't think. I can't think that there is. Just go to the website. There's a ton of information there. Look for those 15 questions and, um, and then find yourself a meeting. Okay. And I got to just say, Having ne- you have never been on a podcast and you don't listen to podcasts. You did a great job on your first podcast. I'm going to, oh, I thank you. you very happy. Yeah. I'm so, I'm, I feel proud. So, and, and now what's cool is you can listen to yourself on a podcast as your first podcast, which is oh. a pretty, it's a pretty cool move. I mean, you know, that's pretty, that's a neat flex. <laughs> awesome. Well, it's been a lot of fun. Well, my deepest thanks to Sarah Armstrong and to her colleagues at OA, as well as the folks that were in that one anonymous group for uh, just helping us fill out the show today. Thank you so much for listening and sharing and being a part of both my journey and uh, making this maybe part of your own journey. As always, love hearing feedback from folks. You can record a message and leave a message. I check them every once in a while. I'm a little lazy about it, but leave a message uh, or you can email me, hit me up on social. All of that is at eddiecoffolds.com. And also, uh, make sure you're subscribed to the newsletter. That's that's where this thing all started. So hoping to build the subscribers to that newsletter and make that something that we can all enjoy together. So of course, I just keep saying it, eddiecoffolds.com. It's all there. As always, Uncle Jimmy edits the newsletter and he's awesome. If you ever need a good editor, Uncle Jimmy is there for you. His email and everything is in that newsletter. I feel like I keep saying the word newsletter and now I can't stop saying it. I'm just in a loop. Okay, that's all. Finally, thank you. I am already hard at work. Uh, Actually, no, I'm not. I always say that. I'm not working on the next one. I'm going to stop for a week and then I'm going to be hard at work on the next one. So I will see you in two weeks. I'm doing the best we can. Happy Thanksgiving.